welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our music is brought to you by Tanika Charles, courtesy of Record Kicks. Her album Soul Run and The Gumption are available now on all streaming platforms. Joining me today is friend to the show, been way too long. So happy to have him back. It's Andrew Ivamy. How you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm here. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back. Oh man, so good. You really helped me get started in the very early days of this podcast. I haven't seen you IRL since the before times. Yeah. The, the, the prior times. Yeah. yeah. And it was literally like an afternoon conversation about how to start a podcast. So <laughs> I appreciate you so much. I'm still, and now somehow... you have multiple podcasts. Like now, now, you're, now you're everywhere. Media <laughs> empire, you know, <laughs> slowly, slowly trying to get there. I mean, with the WNBA podcast, it's like, I have a co-host. I have a producer, editor, there's a network involved. It's like yeah. already so much more professional than this one. Like right. it's got ads on it like this. Mark Cuban's just... trying to purchase some controlling share of it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all in. Yeah, we're on Shark Tank next week. Of course. Um, sure. Yeah, so it's like, it's, you know, when you got a team, it all just kind of comes together in a nice way. This, I you know, I feel like I'm just in a rowboat with one paddle just kind of going in. <laughs> circles <laughs> just trying to make it all work you know but i would say like with the podcast as with life too sometimes doing something alone it does make you appreciate that team so much more mm. than you would if you had a team from scratch you know like trying to do every component of any job by yourself and then later when you have a good team supporting you you're like i want to kiss all of you on the mouth like you're all <laughs> you appreciate them so much more um, that is a thousand percent true. And, uh, you know, talking, talking about like, just like appreciating things. Like I was just thinking back to this whole like basketball year and just what a weird ride it's been, but how much I've appreciated the distraction just like away from life and away from the pandemic like it has helped cure a lot of boredom I gotta say not like you know Adam Silver was trying to spin it a year ago like the world needs basketball and I'm like I don't think that's true but mm -hmm. <laughs> but I was happy it was there because I realized like because of the bubble and then that very short off season there's been no break yeah. So we like I've been doing episodes. Well, I've probably missed like a week here and there, but I've been doing episodes pretty much for the entire year. And then next week I want to do like a draft free agency, like recap situation. And then I think I might finally give myself a few weeks off of this podcast. A little bit of time to relax. Yeah. yeah. yeah as, as good as it is to have this podcast and the NBA and everything. And I totally get what you're saying. I, I, I feel like. I feel like Adam Silver and uh, a lot of figureheads in different industries a little too early on in the pandemic did give themselves a little bit too much credit. So there was that like the world needs this. If there's if there's no basketball, 
wars are breaking out tomorrow. I'll be like, okay, let's let's cool it. Now that a tough time has passed, it's like, oh yeah, actually that was very helpful and very good. But in the moment, it does feel a little bit like Gal Gadot doing the like uh, singing Imagine cover online with a bunch <laughs> of celebrity friends to be like, you had that in the chamber way too quick for for that to have any oh, relevance man. whatsoever. Yeah, but like Silver might have uh, amped himself up a little bit too high, a little too soon, but it was lovely having basketball. One thing this season actually made me miss of uh, of the bubble times. This playoffs made me miss of the the bubble playoffs. Is that I think the bubble playoffs kind of spoiled me. I didn't like having this season to go back to multiple games happening simultaneously. Mm. Like the bubble playoffs when I would, and granted, I'm not a nine to five employee. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I'm a vagrant. I have a ridiculous schedule that is both (laughs) chaotic, but also very lucky that, you know, when the bubble season was going on, I could wake up and watch basketball from one in the afternoon until 9 PM at night. And like rarely would a game overlap. And I was like, this is an amazing thing to have on in the background all of the time. And I kind of forgot that wasn't the standard until this playoffs came around. And it was like, all right, every game happens at 830. Which one do you want to watch? I'm like, but all of them, you can't do this. This is a crime. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. I really did love those all day basketball days that we had in like September, like August, September. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, I got to, you know, start off talking about this NBA finals by frankly calling myself out. I was not a believer in the Milwaukee Bucks. I think until maybe game six, like I just did not believe in the Milwaukee Bucks at all. I don't think I thought they were going to pull this off until they won game after they won game five. I was like, okay, they're going to win it all. But I just didn't believe in this team the entire time. I literally said on this podcast that the Phoenix Suns felt destined to win. I said that I think on two episodes and they did not win. And I guess there was obviously this much greater narrative going on that I missed. But as I call myself out, I want to say that I think the Milwaukee Bucks winning is really good for basketball. Right. Like it's like, I mean, it would have been good if the Suns won too, but I think like having that superstar stay with the team, Mm. not build the super team, you know, you can talk about all the lucky breaks that they got along the way. And I think those are really valid, but I just feel like, wow, this moment was really good for basketball. Uh, yeah, I can fully, I, I can fully agree with that. And also I think there is, there's enough blame to, to go around as well, because I feel like in terms of you blaming yourself to be like, I called it wrong. I am dumb. I was also like walking down the street, listening to your podcast. And we were like, Phoenix is <laughs> destined. Like it's Phoenix destiny to do this. I was walking down the street being like, Catherine nailed it. That is correct. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. You know, I wasn't on record, but I will flat out now admit, I was just like nodding along being like, yep. She got it. Uh, so I felt that too. Uh, like from the second the Raptors weren't in it this year, I was like, well, I'm all in on Phoenix. Didn't I really, it just really feel like Chris Paul's year? I like absolutely the whole time. agree. I absolutely agree. And if, if Phoenix had won, I think either scenario is good for basketball. Phoenix would have been a nice kind of cap on the story that is Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of if we're talking about like what's best for the NBA, mm-hmm. this this absolute uh, brilliant final game and final series from Giannis 
and this uh, incredible moment that he is having is probably better for the NBA than the 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 tail end of the story, the the twilight years of Chris Paul having a nice bookend on it, you know? Yeah, because like Chris Paul winning would, I think, remind a lot of us of like Dirk winning with Dallas right back in 2011 and it would have had that feel to it that vibe to it you know the point god nickname would hold some more credibility to it i'm not saying it's not credible but yeah there was a clip this is my theory there was a clip that went around after um the phoenix suns won the western conference finals and Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and um, like two or three other players were sitting like on in like in like some sort of a convertible. Sorry, I'm not a car person. In some sort of convertible, holding their Western Conference trophy and kind of parading through the town. And that was the moment where I kind of started to regret saying they were destined to win because I was like, they are celebrating too early, but then they went on to win the first two games of the series. And then I thought, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm still right. And then it all just collapsed in these last four games by the bucks have been some of the most incredible basketball games I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Just ab- absolutely incredible. And just a, a huge drop off from Chris Paul as well. And even like Booker didn't really step up. And uh, most of the Suns really did kind of drop off as Milwaukee granted played incredible basketball and their defense was wildly impressive in terms of how they broke down Phoenix. Uh, But yeah, a huge step up from Milwaukee coinciding with a, a huge fall down from Phoenix. Yeah. This is what I don't understand about the Phoenix Suns Cause I think Devin Booker had two, 40 point games mm-hmm. out of the four that they lost. But like the way the Raptors beat the Bucks and the way everyone has literally beaten the Bucks is by building a wall. Right. right. So there's like multiple people that get in front of Giannis as he tries to get to the paint. And I just felt like Phoenix stopped doing that. Right. And then there was like a lot of ISO ball. And then there was just like a lot of them maybe not trusting each other. I'm not entirely sure, but I like the whole time I'm watching them. I'm like, why aren't you building this wall? Uh, honestly, I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing. And I think the reason might be, uh, cause I think that how a lot of teams like us uh, did beat Milwaukee. It was, yes, it was by building a wall, but it was also by playing off of their weakest link, which frankly, I think is coach bud. Uh, so it is playing <laughs> off. It, it is that it is. You set up a plan for Giannis and you know that the coaching does not have a backup plan or an ability to adjust or pivot mid game. And you count on the fact that it's like, well, they're just going to stick to a failing system. If we can p- pick a hole in it, that it fails. So that was all you needed to do. But ironically, I think one thing that might've worked to Milwaukee's advantage was Giannis's injury and and uh, like how questioning how healthy he was going into the finals where it was that, well, we can play ISO because I don't think Giannis is a hundred percent. And then instead of coach bud adapting to what Phoenix's strategy was changes and improvements in health changed the way that the on things were happening on court. 
which was almost like a coach adjustment, but without Bud having to do anything. So I feel like gradual health improvements and Giannis getting back to 100% mid-finals is what fucked Phoenix. They did not expect uh, they did not expect the gameplay to change at all over the course of the finals. And if Giannis was healthy 100% game one to six, I don't think there would be changes. And you could just lay out a game plan and Bud's not going to change it. But I do think an improving health uh, actually functioned as coaching adjustment. I think that's a great point. And, you know, they also like Phoenix, the name is escaping me, but they lost their backup center because he ended up getting an ACL injury. Uh, Scar, scar, scare. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We know who we're talking about. Yeah, we know who we're talking about. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think that obviously would affect your defense against Giannis significantly. Like, I do think that was a significant injury in this playoffs, Mm -hmm. but I I just felt like the adjustments on Monty's side to slow down Giannis weren't there. Cause I mean, you're talking multiple 50 point efforts, multiple, like you can't, you can't do that because to me, and you know, this might sound harsh, but I don't think, I think Chris Middleton and drew holiday can maybe beat you for a game. They're not beating you four times. No. Right. So it's like, you're not talking about slow, like you're not stopping Giannis, but you should be slowing him down to 30 points a game instead of 50. And so I just felt like it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly where those breakdowns were, but it was shocking to me to see Phoenix lose these four in a row. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely staggering, especially when I, I agree with you. Middleton and, and Holiday aren't going to give you that every game. Maybe they have one game where they go off if you're applying pressure to Giannis. And then naturally, if you apply that much pressure to Giannis, maybe Middleton or, or Holiday go off for a game, but they're not going to have the stamina to be that guy for a four game in a row win streak. So it really is just a matter of applying pressure to the right place and everything could have come together. Now that said, one thing that I was impressed by uh, during the the conference finals and the finals, and I think this is also kind of a critique of, uh, of Bud's coaching as well, is that when Giannis wasn't on the court, but Lopez was, Lopez played really, really well these playoffs. Like yeah. I was very impressed with him in the paint to the point that I actually kind of forgot that he could set up shop there when he's not worried about clogging the lane for Giannis. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is so he's he's sitting in the corner so much and he can drive baseline and like get points like that. Like he's still functional out there, but typically he is trying to make sure that there's not an extra defender in the paint and he's not clogging things up for Giannis. And that's such a focus. I kind of forgot how dominant he could be. And especially with uh, uh, Sarek uh, was his name. Once Sarek was out as well, being like, oh, you don't have Sarek and Lopez is in the paint, you're also destroyed there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if controlling Giannis would have 100% fixed the problem because Lopez also had a very impressive, yeah. uh, a very impressive series as well. No, it's a good point. Like, I just, you know, I don't want to keep heart. I I'm so I'm actually shocked at myself that I keep harping on the Suns, but I mean, they were favorites going into this. Yeah. They were and favorites it, for a reason. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I think, Looking at Giannis now, I mean, he has to be in every GOAT conversation 
going forward now. Like he just has yeah. to be like, yeah. and it's just so crazy how four, four games can change so much. Yeah. But those four games really changed everything. I feel. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I even think for people who, who understand the game, because the vast majority of people, you know, if you go online, you're on Twitter during a game, it really only takes like a six point run for people to be like, Milwaukee's finished. They're never going to play back. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> for the most part, general consensus will sway in a single six to 10 point run. Uh, but for even like, even professional analysts and, and broadcasters to be like, I don't know, those four games changed everything. It really was a huge swing. Yeah. And you know, the only thing I could really tweet out was just like to give Giannis his flowers. Like this is mm. just, you know, as I was watching the game, I was thinking, or those last four games, I was thinking like, we are lucky to be alive to watch this. This is how good this is. Like, right. it's one of those things where, like, we when we get old, we'll say, like, people need to remember Giannis. Yeah. And maybe they will and maybe they won't. But it's that incredible that we're like, no, no, you really had to be there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I love that. Like, I, I feel like a lot of just like if you're not emotionally invested in the Bucks, I think a lot of people feel like I love Giannis. I don't love the Bucks. That's how I'll, I feel. I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll agree with that. I was rooting for Giannis and not necessarily the Bucks by the end of it. Yeah. Like, I think I do think Chris Middleton did great in this series. Um, I felt in the previous series, he was extremely inconsistent. Like he'd have a really good game and he'd have a really bad game. Same with Drew Holiday. Like he would have really good games. Then he'd have games where he would kind of disappear this is not a big three. This is not a big two. This is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Team, this is a big one. And I just think, you know, this entire playoffs has been so unpredictable, really like, uh, what's the saying? Like a war of attrition, like just really a survival of the fittest type year. I'll never forget it. It's just been one of the weirdest playoffs so many injuries, yeah. so many weird circumstances that led to this. But then you look at it and it's like, well, they really made the most of it. Right. And and I'm and I feel proud of them. And I just think like, you know, you think about his story and all the clips that have been going online about him and his family and where he's come from. It's impossible not to like Giannis. It's just impossible. You he he should be the future uh future like the face of the nba for the foreseeable future because not only is he a superstar he is you're absolutely right hands down one of the most likable people in professional sports like without question like there's just something about him where i'm just like you are absolutely wonderful i will argue within that final series uh Aiton also seems lovely and he has cheeks that just like when he smiles <laughs> his cheeks go up into his forehead they're the biggest and most scrunchable cheeks I've ever seen on a human being so there is something about DeAndre Aiton where I'm like I want to squish your face like a puppy I love looking at you uh but other than that I'm like Giannis is the most likable man in the NBA and in this series so yeah. So looking back at Giannis, the more time passes, I mean, now it's only been a week, but I think even as more and more time passes, thinking of his performance in the finals, even though, you know, a 50 piece in that final game was absolutely insane and incredible and wildly impressive. I'm going to remember those blocks 
Mm. Like his blocks were huge at that chase down block of an alley-oop where he blocked an alley-oop and he was at the free throw line. Like he was outside of the paint when he somehow blocked an alley-oop. Yeah. That yeah. is legitimately insane to me. And it's got to be so heartbreaking for someone like Aiden, who it's like when you watch the replay of, of that chase down block of the alley-oop, uh, Aiden could have went off glass and it either would have been in but because that would have bought him an extra quarter of a second or it would have been goaltending. But instead, Aiden tried like a comfortable layup because he's like, I'm alone in the paint. How would anyone humanly <laughs> block this? Like there is, like you've got to start thinking about new laws of physics to deal with Giannis. So yeah, the, the like his offensive performance was impressive, but those blocks are literally haunting me. Like there are times where like this past week, I've just been picking up groceries and I'm like, huh, a can of beans. And then it'll just come back to me. And I'll be like that block. Like it's, <laughs> it is so impressive. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, like LeBron has one iconic um, block in the finals. You could do a top 10 list of the iconic blocks that Giannis had in this finals. Cause five of them were in game six alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't even like, like when you look at the stats, it's like, Oh, he got like 50 points and X number of rebounds and five blocks. It's like, no, he had five iconic blocks. Like you need to change the way that stat is named. Cause those were not just blocks. They were all epic blocks. Yeah. Yeah, those were acts of violence. He did five violence to a basketball. Like, that's he, not a block. Like, it literally should be, like, blocks and then, like, posterized blocks. Like, that should be <laughs> its own stat. Yeah. Because we need to remember how iconic the blocks were. Yeah, they, they weren't just blocks. In my head, in my head, it was, it was a triple-double. Because those five blocks count as ten. Like flat, like that is a triple double finals performance. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember how many rebounds he had, if he had more than 10 or not. Uh, he did. He did. I think he had 14 rebounds. Yeah. That's so that's a, isn't that's a triple double. Oh no, it isn't. Cause he only had double five double, blocks. Yeah. It feels like a triple double. You're yeah. right. Cause yeah. I was literally like, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it definitely feels that It feels way. like it. So we're giving a lot of love to, to Giannis. I, and we were just kind of admitting a moment ago that like the conversation shifted so quickly about uh, Giannis's greatness during these finals. And I kind of want to chat a little bit about one of the like big talking points about Giannis and one of the big public detractions from him was the free throw shooting. Like, Oh yes. We, I think we've got to talk about the like, and this is part of the reason why I'm rooting for Giannis, but partially not rooting for Milwaukee because I'm like, whatever shooting coach you gave him that fucked up his free throw shooting. Like, cause he wasn't <laughs> like that when he started in the league, like Milwaukee yeah. did that to him. And granted part of it might be psychological or yips when I'm like a shooting coach fucked him up. Someone on Milwaukee's raw, someone who was paid by the Milwaukee bucks made this man worse at free throws over the course of the past several years. Um, I love this theory very much. Um, maybe somebody gave him Nick Nurse's book on how to shoot uh, last minute. <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, you're. Uh, this is fascinating because in previous years, 
you're right. He didn't have this reputation about free throws. It really mm. only happened this year. So, um, or at least became so obvious. So I don't last know year what was... he did to, to shoot them well in that game six, but I mean, Shaq I... never had a turnaround like that. Yeah. Like, well, Shaq, it was like, it was always, it was always a problem. Like yeah. there was no point where it was like, yeah, Shaq's shooting 90% free throws. And then one season it shifted something went wrong and I don't know when exactly it happened because it's been somewhat gradual. And this is why I think it is a, a shooting coach and not, and not just, even though that's part of it is psychological, but it's not just psychological or not just uh, like the pressure getting to him is because seasons ago he would shoot it quick and not really worry about it. And he was a fine to adequate free throw shooter. But since then, it's not just the delay you can see it in his mechanics. It almost looks like you programmed a robot to shoot a free throw. Like it is that like mm. each joint hinges in a very slow and like awkward movement in the way that a shooting coach would break down a shooting movement for you moment by moment. So it, re it really does feel to me that I'm like, at some point, someone came in and fucked this up for you. And this is why I'm like, I don't, I don't trust Milwaukee. Giannis, you, you should have got out of there. You should have got out of there. We were waiting for you. We would have fixed this free throw shooting, Giannis. You know, it's so funny because like, for all we know, you know, it all looks like a great decision now that he stayed in Milwaukee, but will we feel this way 10 years from now? Because I said in the last episode and, you know, and this feels kind of harsh to say now because they just won, but I'm like, neither of these teams are in the finals next year. Like if the league right. is healthy, I just don't think either of these teams are in the finals next year. And I, you know, I do think Giannis can actually get better mm -hmm. than where he is right now. Like, obviously like he's in his prime, this is peak Giannis, but I do think he can make improvements to his game with the free throw shooting, because now you can't even do like the, Oh, we're just going to foul him hard. Like you can't even use that as a strategy anymore. I do think he could have a better mid range game. I think there's a lot of potential for Giannis still, which is like kind of crazy to say, I, I, you know, I wonder if they'll ever be in a finals again. I, I mm. really do. Cause just so much i mean so much luck broke their way yeah this year so much luck and like you know it's not just the net season or the series rather like the net series is the big one but just a lot of luck i don't yeah, know i could agree with a lot of luck and weirdly i, I agree i agree with what you're saying to be like it, it is hard for me to imagine bucks in another finals or like this version or future versions of the bucks in another finals but i weirdly can picture them being the first seed again which is kind of a oh fucked up yeah thing in to the regular like, season yeah. i could easily see them next season still coming out being first in the east and not making it to a finals i don't think that this is the last season of them as the number one seed in the east but i am doubtful as to whether or not this box gets to the finals again yeah, I think the East is going to look really different next year because mm. we don't know what's going to happen with the 76ers. Um, the Nets, I think we know, are never going to be like all three of them at the same time for long stretches. Yeah. I do think they're going to do everything they can to have those three healthy for the playoffs. So I don't think we're going to see them a lot in the regular season altogether. So yeah, that would, I feel, drop them. Um, I think Atlanta's still going to be good. I don't know. I've never been a believer in the Knicks and I'm still not. 
Um, you know, uh, I think Boston's going to be better. I think Boston's going to be more than a first round team, uh, next year. So who knows, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I could see them being, uh, first in the East regular season, but I just, I don't know. I, I I think it's because of Budenholzer and I think it's because of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday being inconsistent throughout the playoffs that it just makes me that's really the thing that makes me question and brooke lopez was also inconsistent like he had a horrible game one against the hawks and then kind of found his way you know if chris middleton middleton can be a consistent player and be a 20 point guy per game all the time and he isn't this like fringe all-star anymore that changes things yeah. But I don't think that's who he's going to be. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think it would be better for the team if Middleton's performance even took a dip but increased in consistency. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't oh, yeah. need those hot pop-off games if you could just be a little bit more reliable. But I think long-term, that is kind of the concern with the Bucks' roster right now, which is, even though I was very impressed with Lopez for a few games, you're right, inconsistent. Uh, Middleton... I don't see consistency coming and I don't see any, I, I, I think that we're going to see a decline in Middleton over the coming years. And, you know, Drew Holiday's got a little bit more room in front of him, but I think he's kind of at his ceiling. I, I don't see any huge step ups in Holiday's game anytime soon. So I just don't know if the improve, I, 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 all the pieces around Giannis, I see declining and not improving over the next couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, next year is probably their best chance at having a run at it, but you you look at the West and it's like, if they're playing against uh, a healthy nuggets team. Yeah. I don't think they have enough to beat that team, you know, or if the Lakers can somehow increase their depth. Yeah. And they're healthy. I don't think they have enough to beat them. I, you know, there's just, I don't know. I don't want to be, I I've come off quite cynical in what has otherwise been a storybook for games, um, that I think I will look back at fondly and remember just how shocked I was the entire time. Right. Um, I mean, you're, you're yeah. not cynical as you often say on the podcast, you err on the side of caution. Yeah. <laughs> Milwaukee has a tough couple of seasons ahead of them. You would be happy to be proven wrong. You know, we wish we wish Giannis well, uh, yeah. and I think had a lot of positive things to say, but there definitely are, you know, concerns on the horizon for sure. Yeah, I mean, he he could be loyal to a fault, and I think time will tell if that proves to be the case because he is so good that he really should be a, a dynasty kind of player. And I don't know if Milwaukee has a dynasty in them. Right, right. But we'll we'll see. I mean, his family's real cute. Um, that was real sweet. Uh, I loved his like post like interview when he was like all excited about his brothers and he was like, woo, and all of that. Like that was real, yeah. that was real fun. 
that single tear that he emotionally shed while he was sitting alone for a moment, <laughs> like that was a movie teardrop to the point yes. that if, yeah, if you did a dramatization of his life story and that was in the third act, you'd be like, that's a bit much basketball movie. Just that perfect <laughs> rolling down the cheek, catching all of the light of the stadium, like, oh, mwah, chef's kiss. That was the perfect single teardrop. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, yeah, I love Giannis. I'm not buying any Bucks merchandise. No. <laughs> I'm no. not convinced Budenholzer's a great coach. I think he did I'm... finally make an adjustment or two, but it took him so long. Yeah. Uh, and and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe Budenholzer will improve as a coach, but, you know, you don't see that too often. And it's also, and maybe it's just my my court my basketball awareness is that it's harder to see whether or not a coach is improving or, or showing growth you know like that's just harder to pinpoint from what we see yeah that's fair um but I do find there's just something about him that's frustrating to watch in right. a way that you know we don't feel with other coaches and it's like it's something that everyone notices and especially, and it's especially stark contrast during this final series when you compare him to Monty Williams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, like that's, that's the coach. Like that is such an incredible, like su- smart adjustments, smart plays, like really good work throughout this entire playoff run. And just a man who seems to have the respect and admiration of every single person on the team. And, and like, you know, talk about feeling like a movie really came through with the movie style coach speeches yeah yeah throughout throughout the playoffs too like he really has that like uh, you know he was like really taking me back to like a friday night lights moment you know he really has that it did reach a point where like i think by like the third mic'd up clip that they released released of him giving like speeches to the team it reached a point where i'm like does he have speech writers like i honestly (laughs) started thinking like is he a politician and does he have like three full-time employees and two interns in the back who are constantly like cranking out drafts. Like it felt. Yeah. Did he hire Obama's people? Yeah. (laughs) It felt too eloquent and perfect for the moment that it was, it was just such so conclusive. (laughs) And then in game six, they were like, well, when his wife died, he gave a really good speech then too. You should check it out on YouTube. It's like, Oh my God. Bananas bananas yeah in an in a different world this man is like leading armies into like it is just he's giving these (laughs) if honestly if the nba released a clip that was just monty on a horse like in the locker room like the ceiling is too low so he's kind of crunched but he's still giving a if he was giving a speech from horseback i'd be like yeah of course of course that's the fucking guy that's the dude right there he could coach the whole game on horseback yeah yeah. Whereas, whereas like Bud seems like the type of guy I would be rude to at a Starbucks. Like there's nothing yeah. inspiring about him where I'm just like, <laughs> he seems like he would cut in line at a Starbucks and I'd be like, Hey, fuck off guy. Whereas like Monty would walk into a Starbucks and I'm like, what are you doing later today? Can I follow you somewhere? Is there anything I can help with? Like, it is just such a different energy. Yeah. Yeah, a real night and day scenario right mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, shout out to Monty Williams because he he really was uh, an incredible part of this uh, playoffs. Speaking of which, one thing I wanted to ask you was, 
you know, looking back at this entire playoff run, cause it's been, like I said, highly unpredictable and pretty zany. What are your favorite moments or what will stand out the most for you looking back at this? Uh, I mean, Giannis aside, of course, Giannis stepping outside of the finals. Cause Giannis's blocks will, will haunt my dreams. Uh, <laughs> as I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Katie's half of a, a shoe size will haunt his. So that's definitely a standout to be like, <laughs> it is a, it is a single inch of a shoe size difference between who is in these NBA finals, I think. So I think that's going to be a pretty huge standout for me. That and the fact that I apparently like Trey Young way more than I thought I liked Trey Young. Mm. I, I was, I, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I was a hater. I was a hater. I didn't have reason to hate. Uh, I just, I was like, I don't like this dude. I just don't like this dude. And then and going into these playoffs, I'm like, I'm just not rooting for him. I don't like him. And through the course of the playoffs, I'm like, I was wrong. I don't know why I was like that. Uh, fuck me. So like Trey Young winning <laughs> me over actually was a big part of this playoffs for me. Um, my relationship with Trey Young is that I always liked him, but then everyone hated him. And then I started to doubt myself. And then I would question, why does everyone hate Trey Young? Never really got a straight answer, was deeply confused. And then he became brilliant in these playoffs. And then I decided I am his mother and he is my child. Okay. okay. Yeah. I added him to the fantasy. I, I think if... And I will unapologetically mm-hmm. love him going forward. Probably... I'm- I want to say no matter what, but that's not true. I'm I am now <laughs> I'm now okay with your son Trey Young. Uh, yeah, I mean, all 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 fa- all make believe family can be ejected if they do the wrong behavior. But for yeah. now, I approve. I approve of Trey Naker. I approve of this. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much. So I, I I like this a lot. I would say if I'm if I'm being honest, part of the reason why I was a hater and didn't like Trey Young, and I think I actually do have an answer. I agree with mm. you. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are just like he looks a little Weasley, and he does. But like you know, let's not hate a person for that. Yeah, uh, it's part of the appeal. Yeah, I think <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Catherine wants her child to be a young master splinter. So that's an interesting choice, uh, which is what he looks like. Yeah. If he played master splinter in a Ninja Turtles movie, it would that's be flawless. So funny. Uh, but I think part of the reason why I didn't like him is that I've never seen a young player advance so fast in all of the negative aspects of the game. Uh, like even though, and, and, you know, it's a huge debate as to like whether drawing fouls or Mm. selling a foul and stuff like that. A lot of people hate that it's part of the game. It is part of the game, not getting into, you know, whether it's positive or negative Trey developed all of the skills of a 30 year old veteran all-star in all of the game within a game aspects of basketball, which I Mm. did find frustrating from a young player is that like, he's chirping at the refs and expecting a call with the confidence of a veteran LeBron. He is drawing a a foul in a somewhat dangerous way with the fluidity of Harden. Like he is, he is doing all of the, it it was like a monsters of all of the worst traits of NBA (laughs) all-stars, which does make you successful. Like these are, 
whether or not they're good or bad, these are inarguably aspects of the game. And he found a way to take advantage of them and really work them. But it is a lot of negative qualities and all developing way faster than I expected. So I think that is a little overwhelming about Trey Young's personality, which is the, you know, like the, the early KD, the kind of swing around follow through to draw a foul. So like there's aspects of like what people would shit on KD for, what people shit on Harden for, what people shit on LeBron for. And those are great people to be compared to, but it is all of the traits that detractors will shit on all-stars for all kind of combined into one person. Um, I think this is an excellent observation on your part. Um, I, I completely agree. Although it, it's weird because it's like, you can't hate someone for baiting the refs when baiting the refs has become a part of NBA basketball. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like, when you look at it that way, I guess maybe that's why I never held it against him because it's like, this is what NBA basketball has become. And one of the reasons why I really enjoy watching WNBA basketball. And even now, like as we get into the Olympics, like they're not going to have that. You don't have baiting the refs in other leagues, the way yeah. you do in NBA basketball. It's really more just like a pure basketball game and the refs aren't inserting themselves as much as a result. So I think, for me, I don't blame Trey Young. And because I am so biased, I really root for him and I have blinders on and I'm literally like his mom in the stands, just agreeing with him, right, even right. when it's egregious, because I just want him to succeed. I get that. I get that. Yeah. yeah. And he, just- He's unquestionably a generational talent, like uh, like uh, yeah. undeniably, even when I was a hater of his, I'm like, unquestionably, it is it is a person he, with amazing talent. But there are some just like, uh, you know, like uh, you, you've learned kind of the gross thing a little quicker than I would have liked. He wasn't selected to the all star game. This year, like, think about that, like that, That's that is yeah. so crazy to me, like this guy is clearly an all-star i'm sorry zach levine you have zach <laughs> levine over trey young in february mm -hmm. and by may this you looked like a damn fool yeah fools like it just kills me anyway i going back to this weaselly uh comment i love his wispy hair Okay. And I love his soft voice. And that is, yeah, I don't know why that is. And then with his like attitude, so charismatic to me. I just don't know what it is about those qualities. I do. I don't think he's like, <laughs> I don't think he's like sexy, mm. but like he thinks he's sexy. Okay. And then okay. there's just, I don't know. There's just something about that that I find charming. Interesting. I get that. Confidence is sexy. That is, that is unquestionable. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He's very I, confident. I think if I were going confidence is sexy immediately, my brain would be like, well, Dame, Dame is number one. Like, oh like, yes. Yeah, Dame, yeah. 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 Dame, Dame is like a sex symbol. To he, me. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's first team all all uh, all handsome. Like he's first team all attractive NBA. Like for yes, sure. Same yes, goes. yes. Yeah, I'm not saying Trey's anywhere near that, right. but I'm just saying it, the combination of all the things that he is has always charmed me. And I think, you know, one thing I've always liked about, you know, different NBA players that I've chosen to really enjoy and follow is showmanship. Mm-hmm. You know, like like we are like we are here. You know, you are here to entertain us. And I like players that embrace that idea that this is entertainment and I'm going to have fun out here. And I feel like he's, he's really having fun out there. I, I I agree with that. He's definitely having fun. Yeah. 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 Trey is a huge standout for me. The other real standout for me is the Memphis Grizzlies. Ooh, yes. Yes. I loved watching the Memphis Grizzlies this year. And like, I, you know, no, obviously like, you know, there was no expectation for them to get any further than they did, but it would have been nice. Cause they would have been more fun to watch. Like I would have rather seen the Grizzlies get swept twice than right. watch the jazz go and, through what they went through. You know what I mean? And even though I've come around on Trey, how you feel about Trey is how I feel about Ja a little bit, like, uh, uh, yes. like w- without necessarily the attraction. But anytime, like I see, like anytime Ja does well, I feel like I am sitting in the stands, and I'm like, "You've done good, boy!" Like I want to be like, <laughs> "Son, I'm proud of you." Do you know I'm proud? Like I, there's something about him where I'm like, "He is my son. He is my son," and I love that boy. I get it. I get it. And you know, this is like. In I age myself every podcast and I just feel like now with this generation coming up, I feel like I'm a bit too old to have like a real crush on them. You know, not that I'm like, you know, trying to like hold myself back. It's just not naturally happening that I have a crush on them because they're just too young for me now. But that doesn't mean I don't feel this like love for them. Right. So now it's coming out it's in this it's coming out in this weird paternal way. Like I don't have kids. I don't have aspirations for kids, but like I'm looking at these NBA players and I'm like, you are my son. Mm. And like John Morant, I actually think is a very good looking guy. Yeah. 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 He I is a very that. good looking guy. He is very charismatic. There's uh, <laughs> Dylan Brooks, mm-hmm. Mississauga's own. With, I think, the same hair texture as me if I cut it into literal devil horns. <laughs> Interesting. I'm doing, I'm currently doing reminds, this He just reminds me of, like, every guy I went to high school with. Like, okay. there's just, he kind of looks like my older brother. Like, he just I don't know some I look at Dylan Brooks and he just reminds me of home interesting interesting I can kind of see it I can kind of see it yeah if you told me that you were related to Dylan Brooks I'd be like oh, okay yeah yeah I'm not saying we look related I'm just saying purely hair Okay. Okay. I can see the hair juxtaposition. Yeah. I'm, trying I'm just to, talking about hair. Yeah. I'm also trying to like superimpose a goatee on your face right now to kind of really tie it all together. Yeah. No, I can see it. I can you see can't it. see I'm trying to pose with my she's, chin right yeah, now. She's, I mean, she's posing as if a goatee were there. <laughs> Let me just like throw my like, hair. That's around. not bad. That's Dylan Brooks. That's Dylan Brooks right there. 
Now, I didn't expect you to go the Dylan Brooks route. I thought you were going to say like the like in terms of like these familial relationships uh, that it was going to be like some some JV love for oh, how yeah. well, well he's been on the Grizzlies uh, and how well he has done there. And honestly, how perfectly he partners uh, with Morant. Like that is a really, really good duo. I love the two of them together. Yeah, I love the two of them together as well. Uh, I love JV so much that I started trolling people by saying we should have never traded for Marcus All. <laughs> All right, that's some heavy troll. That is heavy level troll. <laughs> because that is just such an easy way to get Raptors fans upset. Like it's right. so easy. And I'm not really a troller, but I was like, I can't resist. I just can't resist. Um, and then Alex Wong mentioned it it on his podcast didn't mention me by name but mentioned what i said and that was real funny um but anyway yeah tons of jv love but you know when jv jv's older so i don't have that like you know i i'm not like oh i i'm this guy's mom like we're too close to the same age for that oh jv feels a little bit like my brother like there's yeah. part of me where I'm like, I see JV out there and I'm like, be sure to take care of my son. Like, you know, I'm yeah. like, brother, J take take J care of your nephew. JV got arrested in Wasega for drinking and driving, but that was like literally the age I would have been at Wasega. And I was just like, I get it. Like, I don't condone it, but I get it. But you get it. You get it. That yeah, I happen. don't condone it, but it's like, yeah, like that's how little I was upset about it because I was like, yeah, that happens. Right, right. Well, hopefully he's, he's uh, you know, telling our son, telling my son to not do the mistakes that he has made, you know? Yes, I think he learned from those mistakes. It was, it was serious. But I, I mean, I nobody just, got hurt, but you know right. what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just, I, I agree with you. Uh, Memphis really stands out. And uh, I love, I, I love uh, JB and Morant together. I think like their pick and roll game together is just a really fierce component mm. uh, to the point where I'm like, I want to see the two of them stay together. Like you could, even though uh, like, I like Dylan Brooks fine, but I'm like, you could rebuild all of Memphis if you kept those two components. And I would still love watching Memphis uh, or if either one of them left, I want to see them both go as a package. I'm like, I just love those two together. Yeah, I think that they play, they know each other perfectly on the court. And I'm so happy uh, that JV has found this role that he was able to kind of grow in uh, a little more uh, than what we were able to provide him in, in Toronto. I mean, I remember like before he got traded, there were kind of talks about JV being too much of a traditional center and how the game has kind of left him in some ways. And I'm just so glad he's been able to prove all of that bullshit wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just not true. Cause he's still a traditional center and he's killing it. Absolutely. And he's getting like 20 points and like 20 rebounds and stuff. Like he's just being phenomenal. Well, and, and I think when, when these, when these conversations come up about like, Oh, the, the traditional center is outdated or doesn't work or, or yada, yada, yada. It's always about, a traditional center on a team where they just don't fit. It's a traditional center with like with oversized guards and forwards who can stretch the floor. And it's like, well, of course you don't need uh, a traditional big in that circumstance. Right. But mm -hmm. if you partner it with the right player, a traditional big is going to absolutely crush. Like it is just about getting the right partnership. A thousand percent. Um, quickly before we move on to our Raptors Homer moment, 
you and I on Twitter have been going back and forth about how much we dislike Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy on the call. Um, Mike Breen, as far as I'm concerned, can stay. Uh, I think I, I Mike Breen with, is an that. iconic broadcaster. I think he's excellent. He can stay. Um, I don't even know if Mark Jackson and Jeff Van, G- Jeff Van Gundy like basketball. They do not. They, at this point, uh, they don't. They don't sound like they like basketball. I think Jeff doesn't. I think Mark. Now, I'm I'm a little bit more hit or miss on Mark, and I understand the purpose that you, to a certain degree, there are certain dynamics that work in broadcasting, and you kind of, having one curmudgeonly confused, uh, maybe mean idiot is all you need. You definitely don't need two. Mm-hmm. And and I'm saying you definitely uh, you definitely don't need JVG, like I'm saying that he's for sure. Mark Jackson is like passable to me sometimes. I, it's like the two curmudgeons from the Muppets calling the game. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, literally what they're like. And they they ruin highlights to a certain degree. Like I think that's the sign of how bad they are. Is that I understand their purpose in broadcasting. Is that for for people watching, it's nice sometimes to have a color person who's like, this is dumb. I hate this. Like you need someone who's willing to critique the game and is not necessarily a a toe, the company line person. Uh, But when that, for example, that incredible block from Giannis, the blocking an alley-oop when Giannis was at the free throw line, he was outside the paint, managed to chase it down. An incredible block. Go back and rewatch that highlight. It is nothing but negativity. That incredible block happens. And immediately the next several lines uh, from Van Gundy, that block happens and Van Gundy goes, I don't know why they aren't rushing back more on defense. Teams today just don't rush back on defense enough anymore. Like, yeah, you got a bucket or you blocked it, but like what, you know, it's a, it's a transition now. You should rush back on defense. And I'm watching this incredible highlight over and over. And it is the block of the year, the block of maybe a century. And it's just Jeff going, why, why don't more teams rush back on defense in, in the transition? Shut the fuck up, Jeff. Now is not the time. Mm-hmm. There's no joy. There is no like, oh my God, I just witnessed a moment in basketball history of one of the most incredible blocks in a final series in a decade. It is, why aren't they rushing back on defense? I completely um, agree with you on Jeff. I don't agree with you on Mark. I do not think Mark Jackson is passable at all. I think mama, there goes that man is literally one of the worst broadcast calls of all time. I think it's one of the worst attempts at a slogan I have ever heard in my whole fucking life. It is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It is so dumb. That I, I pretty much watch like every playoff game uh, and every Raptors game I watch with my fiance Diana, <laughs> and she has heard that catchphrase hundreds of times, and every time her brain, as if it's a virus, purges the memory of the last time she's heard it. So every time she hears it, she responds as if it's the first time she's ever heard a human say it, and she's angry like pure anger because she hates it every time and then like an amnesiac forgets it like he will say mama there goes that man and immediately diana's like what does that mean that's not like she's furious every single time 
with 100% fury. Yeah, well, I I mean, I definitely remember every time he says it, but I'm with her on the fury because mm. it's not a compliment. No. It's not an insult. It's not a compliment. It's like, well, there they are. <laughs> like, what? What? They I, exist. I think the 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 biggest kind of indictment of both of them as announcers is they any iconic basketball moment they announce, they will be muted in the highlight of that iconic moment. Like to go back to a Toronto moment, like the shot from Kawhi, mm -hmm. the moment of, is this the dagger? That sense, that, that, uh, that announcer moment of, is this the dagger? That stands out. And the audio is on, on every, like, let's look back at like the yes. Raptors playoff yes. run. It is the Kawhi shot. And they leave the announcer on of, is this the dagger? Any Milwaukee highlight reel, like I, like wrapping up that playoff run, is never going to include a line of dialogue from Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson. You're in absolutely no scenario. Right. In There's no just going to be music put there instead. Yeah, it'll it'll be like inspirational music, or it'll be like a cut to the the um uh, like the outside, or like fan noise, or whatever. But you'll never hear like Mark Jackson be like, "I don't know why we need more replays. I feel like this is a waste of time." Like no one needs them droning on with negativity in the yeah. highlight reel. So I, I just feel like that's a big indictment of your announcing career, which is if teams mute you in the wrap up of how iconic their finals run was your, you don't enjoy basketball. Like you should have enough joy in your voice that at some point someone wants to leave your sound on to kind of have, to have a hype up video. Absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about Kevin Arlen with that call. He is one of the most iconic broadcasters ever. I wish he did more NBA finals. I think he also does football if I'm not mistaken. So he does both oh. sports. I don't watch um, football, so I don't know. I don't watch football, but I think I feel like I've seen him before in a football mm -hmm. vicinity. But anyway, yeah, he's one of the best. And I just think like, I, I don't know. They just suck. They just need to get fired. I really missed Doris Burke this year. Where like Do Doris needs to be there full time. At, like absolutely like there was just not enough doris burke at all this year i think i saw her a little bit in the first round mm. that was it why i don't know if there's like something going on in her life like i'm just sitting here like why didn't doris burke have a bigger contract this year i don't understand that either it almost feels like it was actually not only was it not big enough because obviously if we had our way uh jeff or mark or both would be gone and doris would be there full time but not only is that not happening, it actually feels like a diminished presence from last yes. year. So yeah, I do agree. I hope everything is is all right with her and that like nothing's going on in her, in her personal life or anything like that. But yeah, it did feel like much less Doris uh, than previous she, years and definitely less there, than I'd like. She was there in the finals with the Raptors. I remember because she was mm. the one interviewing all the players with the trophy presentation. Right, yes, you're right. So she's done it. She's been there. So I don't know what happened this year that she wasn't there, but I found it really confusing and kind of perplexing. And I just wanted to say, I miss Doris and these two need to, they just need to go. They just need to go.
They absolutely I, you know, you talk about rating like the NBA is constantly talking about ratings and how to increase ratings. And it's like, get rid of these two. These are the highest profile games you have all year. And these two are literally ruining the game. I, I fully agree. And I do wonder, though, if that is good for ratings. Now, hear me out, because I, I know it's a stupid thing to say. But like when you just follow the online discourse, I'm like, I feel like a lot of people who watch basketball don't like basketball. And I've talked to people who are just like, I love Jeff. I'm so angry the whole game at like, I've talked to people who really enjoy their commentary. And I'm like, yeah, because you're a negative person and you don't. Yeah. But I think that there are a lot of people who need therapy. Who are (laughs) like, like A lot of people need therapy. A lot of people need therapy and aren't getting it. And are watching basketball and they're like, I like that Jeff's me. I think that there are sadly too many people who think that. And really there should be more people who are like, where's Doris? I want someone who has sincere love of the game and understanding of it. Yeah, because I feel like when there's a when there's a call and it's confusing and it's nuanced and mm-hmm. we need it explained to us as an audience, you need someone who understands the nuances of the game who can explain it to us, I think before they have an opinion on it. So I'm not saying they shouldn't have an opinion on it, but it's like, explain to us what's going on and then have an opinion on it. Don't just sit there and be like, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand what's happening here. Why is this? Why is that? It would never be like this if I were out there, blah, blah, blah. Because like to me, that is an indictment on the game. Yeah. Because it is literally your job to know what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's the part where I think like you can still be like critical about it, but I feel like there's a way to do it and they are just failing at every corner. And I feel like Jeff just wants to get home. Like, I don't think he, <laughs> even if he does enjoy the game of he's basketball. literally there for the free, for the catering. <laughs> like yeah. Just... Like even if he enjoys the game, he wants to be watching it at home and kind of resents being there. Cause half of his negative comments are just about like, why does this game take so long? And if you see him in the post-game stuff, he is just dead-eyed, like, I want to go home and lay down. Like, it is not even negative anymore. (laughs) It is just him with the thousand-yard stare of a Vietnam vet being like, I cannot sit in this chair for one more minute. I want to go home. It's like, if you don't like this job, don't do this job, Jeff. Go home. Like, Like, I'm sure you've got enough money tucked away. Like, don't do the job if you don't like the job, man. Yeah, like, he should just have his own podcast where he shits on the game and if people want to listen to his opinions they can listen to it yeah it shouldn't have to be like Mm. infringed on the game as it's happening all the time that's how i feel and and him and mark play the same role it's all it's this it's similar to how i feel even though it's a different discussion about how i feel of uh of chuck and Shaq. i'm like they're both Mm. fulfilling the same role on that panel you don't need both of them Get rid of Shaq, but you don't need both of them. Uh, they're both playing the wild card uh, lunatic person who's adding a little bit of fun if you enjoy chaos. But yeah, you just don't need to, you don't need Mark and Jeff. They fill. Yeah, the I actually really enjoy when Draymond fills in. Yeah, yeah, it's much better. I actually think he's really good on that panel, and I hope you know eventually when he retires, I'd love to see him on that show more. Um, but anyway, let's move into a little bit of Raptors talk before we wrap up here. Um, we are moving into the draft. We're moving into free agency. Um, I'm going to do a recap of the draft. Like I said, I don't want to get into predictions, although it did come out 
uh, late last night, we're recording this on a Friday, that the Raptors are actively seeking a trade to move up in the draft, which I think is super interesting um, because I think, oh gosh, I should, should be more prepared. Uh, there is a center <laughs> that is prospected to go in the top three. And I think they want that center, which I think actually solves a lot of problems for the Raptors. I think they're smart enough to trade or to draft the best player, mm-hmm. but which is right now there it's all about Jalen Suggs, but with, with Suggs, he's a point guard and we are so heavy on point guards right now that yeah. I think if we did draft him, we would have to, we would have to trade somebody. So it's like, it seems like there's a trade inevitable here, but I'm so fascinated to see if the Raptors will actually get that higher pick or not. That, that would be interesting. I would like to see us get a big, uh, Mobley is the, the big that Thank they're, you. they're report, you know, air quote reported, reportedly eyeing. Cause like last week it was also reportedly, we were looking to trade our draft pick to move down in the draft for a future. So like, you know, it's all, yeah, yeah. it's all early, but I think, uh, I, I agree with you. I would like to see a big first. Uh, but you've got to choose your, you know, we're going to choose the better player and, uh, if that's not an option, it's going to be one of the Jalen's uh, either Suggs or green. There's two uh, Jalen's mm-hmm, that are high mm-hmm. up this year. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, I'm also not particularly worried about it with the way the Raptors management and development team is like, obviously a higher draft pick is going to be better raw talent coming in. But uh, as long as we make the right call and don't, you know, go guard heavy, uh, or if we get a guard and, you know, make a trade or kind of rework it, I really feel like we're just going to be able to improve whoever it is that we get at, at this point in the draft, you know? I agree. I agree. Um, I'm very excited for our off season. I think it's going to be busy. I think this is going to be a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be big. And I, I, I'm still like uncertain about the direction the Raptors want to go in like I don't know if we're in a we want to be in the playoffs and we really want to try and win now or if we are going to take a step back for a few more years to try and redevelop again I it really could go either way at this point it's it's so hard to analyze because like we didn't have a simple last season to analyze yeah you know we lost our our almost entire starting lineup and half of our coaching staff to covid Uh, They didn't come back as strong. Like we started Rocky. We got it together. Everyone got COVID. We stepped out. We struggled to come back. We saw new pieces find their role. Like I was really, Mm -hmm. really impressed with how Kem Birch kind of fit into the lineup. And I'm like, okay, is there way more potential in Kem Birch than any of us thought? But we also didn't have enough time with him for me to have a solid answer. Yes or no on that. I think it is hopeful. I think that Ken Birch was definitely highly underutilized on Orlando and wasn't the right fit for him there, but whether or not that's a starting center for us, I, I just, I don't think there's enough census data in terms of how that fits. Uh, I absolutely love Gary Trent jr. He had some like incredibly mm-hmm. hot games, but a few inconsistent performances where I'm like, Oh, okay. Do you, did you kind of like go off when you got a little bit of extra rope to play with, but you don't maybe quite know how you fit into our schemes yet. So there's a lot to kind of see and determine there. 
And then what is going to happen with Kyle? Is it a legacy contract? Is it a sign and trade? Do we get assets? Like what is going to happen there? I think there is so much uncertainty for, for Raptors. It's going to be huge, but that's also kind of happening. I think across the league right now, like, uh, you know, the playoffs and the seeds last year was not how anyone expected anything to go. And everyone is kind of revisiting what their plan was. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, I don't think Ken Birch is a starting center. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's at least on a good NBA team. I'm not saying he's right. bad or anything. I think he's a solid backup, but he's a backup center. Right, right. I don't think that's going out on a limb. I think that that, that is, I saw shine. I don't think that's a limb. I think that is a 50-50. There were moments last season where I'm like, there are incredible shining moments of potential from him that make me worried that, uh, that make me like sad that he was definitely underutilized no matter what previously. Right. But, uh, but I don't know if that meant a starting center. I really could go either way there. Yeah, I think the Gary Trent Jr. thing, honestly, like he was definitely a bright spot in what was otherwise a pretty grim season. Mm-hmm. I do think that him for Norm Powell trade was a very lateral move. Like I don't, I think they're very similar. He's just a bit younger, but I, I don't think his ceiling is that much greater than what Norm achieved. But I think that's fine because you need that guy. You need that piece. So I think like, that's all good, but I'm not looking for him to suddenly become like the face of the team or anything. And then lastly, like, I do want to ask you about Kyle, where in your personal opinion and all your feelings and all your basketball knowledge, do you, where do you want to see Kyle end up? Do you want to see him stay with the Raptors? Do you want to see him on a winning team? What do you wish for Kyle? Uh, I mean, I, I, I wish Kyle for, to be happy. It's like, first and foremost, Aww. is that like, if Kyle wants to go to a team that is making a hard championship push next season, uh, and he wants to get another ring, let him do it. Like whatever Kyle wants is what Kyle does. What would make me happy. I would love to see him around longer on a legacy contract. Like that's, I would love to see him finish his career here, frankly. So that's what I would want. Uh, but if that's not what he wants, then that stops being what I want. And if he's going somewhere else in the league, as long as it's anywhere that isn't LA, I'm incredibly happy for him. Oh, uh, I just don't want him in. I mean, you mean the Lakers or the Clippers? Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> Both. Both. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want the Clippers to be the 2019 Toronto Raptors. I don't want, like, I'm like, fuck you, Clippers, get your own, figure out your own shit. Uh, and also I just, uh, you know, I, I just don't want the Lakers to, uh, be hoarding talent. You know, I don't think Kyle would go to the Clippers. I just don't think he's that guy. I agree. Yeah. Um, and also too, one, one thing I should say about the Clippers talk about just like playoff highlights. I can't believe that even without Kawhi and having, you know, what should be an underdog storyline. They were so deeply unlikable still. Like, I just, they're just so unlikable, no matter what. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, this happened to any other team. They would suddenly be these wonderful underdog darlings. And they were never that just, they never were. Um, But anyway, I, you know, last week I kind of, I had this very wild, um, you know, Raptor fantasy situation where both him and DeRozan end up on the Lakers. 
which sounds like your literal That's... worst nightmare. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen. I do not think that will happen. Um, I don't, I want to see Kyle win again, but I hate Philly and I hate Miami. Mm-hmm. I hate Miami a little. I don't know. I hate both teams quite a bit. I just, I'm not a fan of their cultures. I do like, I'm a Jimmy Butler fan, but I'm not a Miami Heat fan. And I just like all the teams that people have talked about him going to, I don't like, but I want to see him win. And I think I'll probably swallow my feelings a bit just to, to root for him. I can, uh, yeah, I can feel that. I would swallow my feelings a little bit. I agree when we're talking, when we're talking heat or Philly, which are obviously like two people who were looking at him this previous season in terms of trade talks and negotiations, uh, in terms of making a playoff push. I agree with you. I love Jimmy. I really like Embiid. Like though I would love to see him on a team with those two people. Obviously he's personally closer with Jimmy than he is with Embiid, but nice people who I'm rooting for don't necessarily like the fan base or the city. Uh, You know, particularly Philly's got a lot of problems with, uh, with their fans, but then also like Miami has none on there. So I'm like, I don't love that in terms of your roster. So there are problems either way, but I'm like, I would be happy to see you paired up with Butler or Embiid. And I would just kind of have to focus on that starting five on the court, not the fan base. (laughs) and just kind of be happy for him there. Yeah. My other real hot, hot take is I would love to see him with the Dallas Mavericks if the Dallas Mavericks didn't have multiple Predators on their team. Right, right. (laughs) Because, I mean, obviously him and Luca would be amazing, and I think Luca having a veteran point guard like Kyle would help his career going forward even after Kyle retires like he you know like I just think he could have a Chris Paul like effect on a player like Luca but I hate the Mavericks so much that I can't really put that out into the ether right right yeah and and Luca obviously needs some uh, some other pieces around him you know this is another team where I'm like I like you and I hate the team yeah this is becoming a common theme now like right now, if you, you know, if uh, in a fantasy league or whatever, you're like, well, who do you build a team around today in the NBA? I, I think the answer is hands down, Luca. Like yeah. just someone with an incredible ceiling who is still inc- who is still young, and you put the right pieces around, and anything is possible. Yeah, I think Luca and Giannis are your yeah. one-two answers. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would love to see additional pieces around Luca. I, I agree with you on that. He's so likable. Yeah. It's going to be an incredible week next week with the draft. And then I think the draft's July 27th. And then. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. And then free agency is August 1st. So it's going to be a hell of a week. Um, I'm going to wrap up here because, you know, team Canada didn't make the Olympics. So we're really missing out on a lot of Nick nurse, hot girl summer moments. Um, RIP, but I want to ask you, uh, what is your favorite Nick Nurse moment? Uh, oh, favorite all time. Oh, I did not expect that. Uh, I was, yeah. I was, I was just going to say that this year it was just nice, even though, uh, you know, even though Canada didn't make it, it was just nice seeing him there, uh, and just seeing that deep squad again. And I'm like, yes. oh, there he is. 
They're, so I, re- I feel like the squats increase every time I see him. They his just seem to be was, happening more and more. His ass was almost touching the ground. Like if he, <laughs> if at any point he stood up and there was dust on his ass, I would be like, of course you're you're dusting the ground. I don't like. He must get his pants custom tailored, where he like goes into the tailor and they're like an extra six inches in the ass, and he's like, yeah, you, you know what I need. Like he is down there. <laughs> The thing that I found charming, so like the, the recent thing that stands out to me about him, uh, just as like a, a fun little memory of like of recent uh, in in the uh, Olympic run in the FIBA games, was uh, they have like a little soft box on the sideline, which like the NBA doesn't have. They have like a little soft that the coach can sit on that's like a bit closer to the court, mm. so that so that the coach doesn't have to stand and pace and doesn't have to do the Nick Nurse squat. And it's like a big, it's like the type of ones that are at a gym. It's like that big gym mat softbox material. So it's not a hard chair that you have to get in and out of. It's kind of like higher than knee level. So you can kind of get in and out of it real quick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the coaches are sitting on that softbox next to the announcer table. And kind of as they need, we'll kind of do a full stand and then yell or do something and sit back down. And every other coach was using it except Nick, who's one foot in front of it, just ass on the ground squatting. (laughs) And I I just found that so charming and funny to see, to be like, this man will not sit. You cannot make him sit. You've given him a soft chair. He does not care. He is not sitting under any circumstance. I mean, I want to see him one day try to draw a play while in the squat. And then the other players around him are like seven feet tall and can't see the clipboard because it's so low to the ground. (laughs) 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 Like that would just be like peak Nick Nurse squatting for me. Like I could easily see if you like Nick Nurse is out with injury because he needed knee surgery because someone should not be in a deep squat like that (laughs) for an hour. You know, like I guess I don't think I've ever seen a coach go out with like ACL surgery, but I could easily see that with Nick of a doctor just being like, you have no cartilage left in your knees. Why? Why are you down that low? I mean, he's squatting like it's an Olympic sport in and of itself. I mean, it's just nuts. Uh, But I I love that. I love that you mentioned it. Uh, So great. Andrew, thank you so much for being uh, my guest on today's show. Please let us know everything you're up to, all your shows, and where people can find you on the internets. Uh, so on the internet, in general, uh, you can find me by searching my last name, Ivamy, I-V-I-M-E-Y. I'm at Ivamy on Twitter, Instagram, most things. So I-V-I-M-E-Y is my personal handle wherever you want to find me. Uh, and if you are into nerdy stuff, I, uh, I host a podcast called Talk From Superheroes, uh, where every week, me and my co-host, we discuss a uh, piece of superhero television or film. And I use the term superhero loosely uh, in the sense that like, we'll talk about like the Fast and Furious movies uh, now that they're out. We talk about Space Jam uh, on there as well. So if you like, you know, general nerdy superhero fun movie talk, uh, check it out. Talk from superheroes. You can just search that wherever you're listening to this podcast right now or go to fromsuperheroes.com. So if you want to hear more of me, I'll, I'll talk about movies and TV shows over there. Talk from superheroes. Um, that's amazing. I did one of the podcasts you produce recently called the villain was right. 
and uh, we talked about Space Jam from the villain's perspective. That was so much fun. That was super fun. Yeah, there's two Space Jam episodes on the network right now. So there's one I produced, the villain was right. Catherine was on that talking about Space Jam. Uh, the one that I host, Talk From Superheroes, uh, we talk about Space Jam and our guest on that one is uh, Nick Reynoldson, who's the, the host oh, of the yeah, Talking yeah, Raptors yeah. podcast. Uh, so fun basketball talk on that as well. But uh, yeah, lots, lots of fun stuff over there from superheroes.com. Love it, love it. Thanks so much. Thank you, thanks for having me.